0: i my God, is still cold! The Hellraiser is full! Here we go! Evolution of the Shield! John Cena versus the her. Hulk Hogan and The Rock in the same ring! You will never take my place at the head of the table! Undertaker! With a Haskell submission! Oh my God! What? My God, Michaels! Just kick Cena's head off! The It'll be the Raw! It'll be Austin one on one. Third and five. Oh. Do you believe in
1: miracles? The streak is over. Hey, what's going on, guys? And welcome back to Rivalries on the WWE podcast on this Friday, February fourth. Although today it is not going to be rivalries, and. As you know, every once in a while, I do a special type of episode as to tribute a career to someone. I've done it for Kurt Angle. I've done it for Braun Strowman as well. And this week, I'm going to do it for someone who I believe many of you will not be too enthusiastic about and will probably share a very different opinion than I. And that is of Shane McMahon. And obviously, this was... I guess sparked in light of him being released from WWE after his help in booking and producing and being one of the lead writers uh, for this past Sunday's Royal Rumble, a Royal Rumble that was underwhelming in the view of most people, myself included, not so much for the winner, more so just because I thought that there was no unpredictability there is no surprise there's no shock and that's not to say that you need shock and awe and a swerve to book a good um wrestling match or pay-per-view or more specifically in this case a royal rumble but royal rumbles are supposed to feel special and there was nothing about this rumble that felt special and i guess just to give my two cents on it i think aj styles should have won i think he's a guy that really could have benefited ...from the Royal Rumble victory would have kind of been uh, poetic as well... ...given the fact that he debuted at the Royal Rumble in 2016. How crazy is that? AJ Styles has uh, has been in WWE for six years already. I, it was like yesterday where he showed up in the at the Rumble in 2016. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Obviously Shane McMahon caught a lot of heat backstage... ...for how he helped book the Royal Rumble... Uh, booking himself to eliminate, I believe it was Matt Riddle. And I think Shane McMahon has become a polarizing figure in the world of WWE since his return to the company in 2016. And Jim Cornette has said a lot of times that Shane was always his favorite McMahon, and I assume that he wasn't including Linda, or maybe he was, Who that really doesn't matter. And and I do think that in a lot of ways, Shane McMahon was the most, at least on a television um, capacity, the most likable and genuine McMahon uh, out of him, uh, uh, Stephanie McMahon, and Vince. And I think that it's been a very up-and-down career for Shane. And going back to the beginning, most people don't know this, but he started out as a referee way back when. And I believe that was in the golden era the late the early 90s rather when he was a referee with the with the baby blue shirts and the bow tie I believe he had a mullet back then but when he first came up on television I think it took a while for Shane to find his footing but I got to say that for me I always liked Shane McMahon for whatever the reason I thought Shane was a guy who garnered respect real, right away because he was the boss's son and he did things that were so outrageous and so death defying and on the the cusp of borderline insane and for a guy who was the boss's son to do what he did was incredible and you know going back his first prominent storyline obviously was part of the corporation with vince mcmahon And he had a good helping Vince go on that run-on feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'll always remember the handicap ladder match for control of the company at, uh, I believe it was the King of the Ring pay-per-view in 1999. And before that, uh, arguably one of his most prominent or early prominent uh, roles was when he disbanded from the corporation and formed the corporate ministry which ultimately led to the higher power with vince and whatnot and i think shane after the whole corporate ministry thing is when he kind of started to blaze his own trail because in the corporation he was kind of running off the coattails of vince understandably in the corporate ministry it was a chance for him to get his feet wet kind of on his own but he was still kind of sharing the spotlight With The Undertaker. But in the year 2000 when he brought in the Mean Street Posse. And he was managing the big show as many of you would remember. Shane kind of started to show his own type of character. And one of the first big spots I remember with Shane McMahon. Came in a hardcore match against Steve Blackman at WrestleMania 2000. And I remember watching this live. And after watching this live is when I fully started to gain a ton of respect for Shane McMahon.
0: In the I think Blackman's getting a nosebleed. On the knee. And Shane McMahon lost the use of one of those legs. Blackman coming up there to get Shane. Blackman's got that Kindle stick with him. What are you doing, Shane? My oh, God, this is dangerous. Shane McMahon, this is... Okay, when he goes up that side, you go down the other. We've got... This... Oh, come it's on, It's on the side of the love of God! Shane McMahon, in the love of 50 feet! Good fight, everybody! Get help, for the love of God! Get somebody out there! Get help! Look what you did, Batman! Ron will cover down to same thing, Is there anything left to say?
1: So Shane McMahon climbs up that side railing on the Titan Tron... Beside the Titan Tron of the SummerSlam logo. And if you guys remember way back when SummerSlam's entrance was... There's no ramp. It was flush onto the ground. And the stage was pretty much just like the big green S in the background. And Shane climbs up the side of that or like a steel, like a pillar up the side of it. And as JR alluded to, close to 50 feet in the air... And Blackman follows his way up there, follows him up there, hits him with the Kendo stick, and eventually he falls backwards through debris or however you want to phrase it. Obviously, a lot of padding there, but this was the first time that I remembered saying, like, "Damn, this guy has balls, man!" You know, for lack of better terms, or you know, uh, in the in the way that Vince McMahon would phrase it, he had great, he had testicles the size of grapefruits, and I think that this was the time where people started to respect Shane McMahon. And you know what? I, I think he always had respect in some way because he really caught on fast in the corporation and the corporate ministry and all that. But for me, this is when Shane McMahon really started to blaze his own trail. But this, to 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 date at this point, he had always been a heel. And it was only in 2001 where we would get to see a babyface version of Shane McMahon. And this is where... I think Shane always excelled. He was a good heel too. But Shane McMahon, for me, was the one McMahon who was just as good, if not better, as a baby babyface. And again, not including Linda McMahon. I remember the time she turned heel and kicked the JR between the legs. and just felt so disingenuous in a lot of ways. But I think that Shane was a guy who could do both just as good. And obviously in 2001, he comes back to defend his mother's honor against uh, Vince McMahon, leading to their WrestleMania match at WrestleMania 17 in the street fight. But right around this time in real life, you had Vince McMahon purchasing WCW just as the Monday Night Wars were coming to a close. And it was on one night leading up to WrestleMania 17 on Monday Night Raw, and on Monday Night Nitro, where Shane McMahon would take part in history.
0: And I'm here in Panama City,
2: Beach, Florida. Standing in a WCW ring. And as usual, Dad, your ego has gotten the best of you. gotten the best of you I mean that you wanted to finalize this deal WCW at WrestleMania you wanted you have the audacity to ask Ted Turner himself to come down and finalize that deal well dad that's just the opportunity that I was looking for Because, Dad, the deal is finalized with WCW. And the name on the contract does say McMahon. wcw did in the past i would kicked your ass in the past and it will again
1: so this was like the first time we saw shane mcmahon in a babyface role and leading into wrestling 17 it was just great theater right to have shane now as the owner quote unquote because we know that in real life vince did in fact purchase ww wcw rather But in storyline, it was a really cool swerve to this whole thing and an angle because now you had Shane McMahon just as powerful, at least present presented as just as powerful as his dad, Vince McMahon. Now, obviously, this babyface run for Shane would be short lived as they eventually kind of did a double turn type of uh, approach to it as Shane became the head of the Alliance in a lot of ways, and Vince obviously head of WWF, and that became the de facto babyface side, WWF, that is. And Shane, you know, I think he did a good job in the entire um, invasion angle. Obviously, we know that the invasion storyline could have been a lot better if the NWO had come over, Sting had come over, if Goldberg, Ric Flair, if all those guys had come over, in the late spring and summer of 2001 we would have gotten dream matches that we could have only dreamed of during the late 90s and such but unfortunately as we know that wasn't to be and because that wasn't to be we got Shane McMahon tagging in in a lot of big time matches you know the the king in the of the ring match against kurt angle at in at king of the ring 2001 the street fight Arguably Shane McMahon's most historic match. You could make the case that put him on the map when it took Kurt Angle twice to give him a belly-to-belly suplex through the pane of glass at the stage of of King of the Ring. You had Shane McMahon kind of engage in a program with The Rock to a certain extent. I remember him and Booker T tagged against The Rock in a handicap match for the WCW Championship at Unforgiven in 2001. He had a street fight against The Rock... Uh, On a Monday Night Raw in 2001. That was a really kind of entertaining match. And The Rock and him always had good chemistry because of the time of the corporation. And then when Shane was with the McMahon-Helmsley regime and whatnot. And then you even had Shane McMahon become part of Team Alliance at the culmination of this whole angle at Survivor Series 2001. And again, it it was kind of a product of circumstance because you didn't have the NWO or Goldberg or Sting at your disposal. You had Team Alliance, you know, in brackets, WCW, ECW, compiled of a bunch of WWF guys. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin was on that team. Kurt Angle was on that team. Shane McMahon, Rob Van Dam, Booker T. The only guys who came from outside wwf were rob van dam and booker t on that squad but unfortunately as we know like it was just a product of circumstance unfortunately but following the alliance program and that whole storyline that came to a close Shane McMahon's career kind of went dormant for a year and a half and In early 2003, we saw him a bit when Vince McMahon was threatening Eric Bischoff's job as Raw GM. You had Shane McMahon get out of the limo to say like, yeah, this is your replacement if you don't get Raw back on track. And it made a lot of sense because at that time, Stephanie was the GM of SmackDown. At WrestleMania 19, at the culmination of the Hogan-Vince street fight, you had Shane McMahon walk to the ring and... And Hogan allowed him to get in the ring and help his father up after he was left a bloody mess. But we didn't see Shane in any real storyline capacity until the summer of 2003. And the summer of 2003 was the unmasking of Kane. One of the biggest storylines in the year of 2003, one of the most impactful and shocking turns of the ruthless aggression era. And Following Kane's unmasking, he ended up giving a tombstone pile driver to Linda McMahon on the steel grade at the top of the stage. The following week on Raw, Vince McMahon came to the ring to confront Kane. But after things weren't going the way that we all thought between Vince and Kane, we got an unexpected return from Shane McMahon.
2: He's thinking about it. Do it! Here it comes! Here- Backing up. Wait a minute. Kane, Kane is backing up.
0: Please hit me. Hit comes-
1: So <laughs> if you guys been, uh, have been listening to this show long enough, you know that Shane McMahon versus Kane was the first rivalry that I ever covered here. And I think that it is by far for me Shane McMahon's best rivalry aside from anything to do with like the McMahon family or being the boss of any sort. Because every single program that Shane was in, every single rivalry, had to do with him in some form or fashion being the boss. You know, you had it with Vince for obvious reasons, and then that transitioned into him becoming the WCW owner, the alliance. Before that, you had him part of the corporate ministry more recently with Braun Strowman last year, making Braun's life a living hell before that with Roman Reigns, when he was running both raw and SmackDown, SmackDown commissioner, however you want to put it, even with Randy Orton, when he was, you know, trying when Randy Orton was going after all the McMahons, it always had to do with Shane being a McMahon. And this was just Shane, Shane being a son. Yes. It was Linda McMahon's son, But at no point in this storyline was it ever tied back to Shane having power over Kane. At no point did it come back to Shane being an executive at WWE. This was a personal rivalry with Kane that went on for close to five months. I believe it was four months in total, actually, that... This went on for they had two pay-per-view matches unforgiven last man standing match Survivor Series ambulance match and along the way he actually had a one-on-one match with Bischoff at SummerSlam in 2003. But I think this showed a sign of Shane McMahon that was beyond the I'm the boss's son. You know that's kind of what it always came back to with Shane McMahon. I am the boss's son. Even if he was a babyface, he was always A McMahon. He was always Vince McMahon's son. Like when we saw him as the babyface commissioner on SmackDown in 2016 and 2017, he was always like presented as an authority figure. But this was the first time, at least in my eyes, and if I'm missing something, feel free to shoot me an email or shoot Matt an email correcting me. But this was the one of the only times, if not the only time, where Shane was involved in WWE in a storyline where he wasn't presented as an authority McMahon type of figure. And it showed a side of Shane McMahon that people could relate to. You could live vicariously through. You could say, yeah, if anyone touched my mom like that, I'd beat the shit out of them too. And, I mean... I think that just the visual of Shane McMahon coming to the ring and just charging Kane, tackling him over the top rope, going up against arguably the most dominant competitor in WWE at that time, at least from a physical and, um, I guess, stature standpoint, I think that it showed a lot of people that Shane had an actual genuine side to him and a humane side to him. And this is, at least for me, where I completely was bought into the Shane McMahon character. I always liked him, but this program was one where I just found Shane McMahon so damn cool. That's what it came down to. I found Shane McMahon so cool in this storyline because he just looked like an average guy, just coming to his mom's aid. It wasn't about him being uh, Vince McMahon's son, it wasn't him about being the prodigal son or a high ranking executive in WWE. This was just about defending his mother's honor. And there was one point during this program where I think it was arguably Shane McMahon's coolest and most recognizable moment as an in-ring competitor.
0: Shane, why get in there? Ah! Put him up!
1: I'm it's a short clip, but Shane duping Kane into going into the limo, comes out the driver's side, and then sends it speeding into the bottom of an 18-wheeler, showing Shane McMahon's cleverness, for one, and his ruthlessness on the other, kind of apropos for the ruthless aggression era, but showing that if he had to take it to the next level, he wouldn't be afraid to against a monster like Kane. And as far as one-on-one programs go, I don't think Shane ever had a more intimidating opponent or he was ever more outmatched than he was against Kane. And in a lot of ways, you can make a case that this was Kane's most personal rivalry too, aside from The Undertaker, of course, because again, it was a different type of Approach for both of these guys like yeah, Kane still had the I'm a monster gimmick and yeah, I'm unmasked so I'm pissed off. I'm angry blah 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 But I mean it was just so personal on so many levels and I don't even know how they thought to put Kane and Shane McMahon together You could not have picked more two more random guys to throw into a program with one another but you know what it worked it worked and it worked damn well and to this day I think it was one of the most underrated programs and rivalries in the history of the company. And that's, you know, a, it's not a secret that I like that so much because it's the first rivalry that I picked to cover when I started this show oh, almost, I guess it's 18 months ago now. And that's saying something I could start with Rock and Austin, Austin McMahon, Triple H, HBK, Kane and Undertaker. But no, I went to Kane and Shane McMahon because I thought it was just so damn cool. But in the end, Shane could not have overcome Kane. Properly so, as he always came up that much, just a little bit short. And you had... Kane eventually end that program, sticking Shane in the back of the ambulance at Survivor Series 2003. And this would be another hiatus for Shane McMahon, because I believe this was right around the time where he started to have kids. So we didn't see him on screen all that much, all the way until 2006 is when he started to resurface again. So just about two two and a half years is when he started to kick around again on television during the the program of Mister Inkman and Shawn Michaels, really helping Vince get the one up on Shawn Michaels. The Spirit Squad got involved, involved, and it I think his first match back in the ring was against Shawn Michaels at Saturday Night's Main Event, if I'm not mistaken in March of 2006, where they tried to recreate the Montreal Screwjob, where Shane McMahon put HBK in the sharpshooter. And this whole thing started when HBK was distracted by Vince during the Royal Rumble, and Shane came into the ring and eliminated Sean himself. This led to, you know, Vince and Shane versus HBK and God, which was pretty hilarious. And I guess I would say borderline offensive for a lot of you out there. And it eventually transitioned to Shane and Vince versus Degeneration X, which ultimately culminated at Unforgiven in 2006 inside the Hell in a Cell match between the two teams, although the Big Show was on the side of the McMahons. Once again, Shane McMahon goes dormant for a bit, resurfaces, I want to say, right around 2008 through another two-year hiatus for Shane McMahon. And he shows back up right around the time post-Eric Bischoff, kind of coming out the Attitude, uh, the Ruthless Aggression era into the PG era. And I believe they appoint Mike Adamley as the Raw GM. This is kind of a blur for me, this era of WWE a bit. It was kind of like when I was transitioning out. And Shane eventually gets involved in the program of the McMahons versus Randy Orton. Randy Orton punt kicks uh, Vince, Shane shows up, has a brawl with Randy Orton on Monday Night Raw, and then it leads to the three-on-three match between Legacy and Triple H, Batiste, and Shane McMahon at Backlash 2008, I want to say, or 2009. I think it's 2009, actually. And it is 2009 because shortly thereafter, I believe December of 2009, is when Shane McMahon walks away from the company to go explore other ventures outside WWE. And just about 6 years go by with no Shane McMahon and this is over this time you kind of get the dawn of the authority, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H kind of running roughshod on Monday Night Raw from the from I want to say the late summer 2013. All the way into two, early 2016. So, about a two, two and a half year run of the authority going uncontested until February of 2016. Yeah.
2: First off, thank you so much for that. Yeah, what's up, Detroit? Excuse me while I conduct a little business for a second. Um, You know, you just, you had to do it, didn't you? This is the straw that broke the camel's back and that's why I'm back here. The Vincent Jane McMahon Legacy of Excellence Award. Phenomenal idea, amazing, and should be bestowed upon someone who's a worthy recipient. And that's not you. Hello, Stephanie. I'm sorry,
1: but it's not. <laughs> so that that was a huge pop for Shane Man. Just uh, I I freaked out. I know I did, and this um, led to the current version of Shane McMahon that we have been living with for the last six years or so. Obviously, he goes on to face the Undertaker inside Hell in the Cell at WrestleMania 32. Loses that match, goes on to become the SmackDown commissioner in the era of SmackDown Live. A pretty good era, I may add. WrestleMania 33 faces AJ Styles in 2017, spends the lion's share feuding on and off with Kevin Owens that bleeds into 2018. Tags with uh, returning Daniel Bryan against Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn at WrestleMania 34. And then all the way into 2019, he becomes the tag team champions with Miz and eventually turns heel after the first three years back in the company being a steady babyface, turns heel on the Miz after they dropped the tag team titles, I believe to the Usos. And that's when he has the match with Miz, beats Miz somehow, I believe in that street fight at Wrestling at 35. And through 2019, you have him kind of running roughshod on Raw and on SmackDown as the authority heel figure aligning himself with Elias and Drew McIntyre making the lives of Kevin pardon me, the the um the lives of Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns fairly miserable. And on the first episode of SmackDown on Fox in October of 2019. You have the ladder match between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. And that is when Kevin Owens wins and sends Shane McMahon out of power. uh, Seemingly once and for all. And that pretty much was the end of Shane McMahon as a semi-consistent character on WWE television. Obviously, we would get a uh, a return of him as a member of Raw Underground. That was a short-lived flop then returns in late 2020, early 2021 to feud with Braun. Sorry, I had to do it. And leading to their steel cage match at WrestleMania this past year, uh, where he yet again took a massive pop. And a quick side note, I remember Stephanie McMahon saying something during that promo when Shane first returned in 2016 saying, you know, all these people love things because you just jump off of big structures (laughs) or these people love you because you jump off of big structures. And I found that pretty funny and true, but um, you know, he comes back this most recent time as a participant in the Royal Rumble and not gonna lie. I popped because I'm a massive Shane McMahon fan, but then unfortunately you hear of all the, borderline questionable decisions i guess you could say that he made behind the scenes as one of the lead writers and producers for this contest and um i have to say it's a shame that if he really is gone which at this point we have no reason to believe he isn't because big time insiders like sean ross sap of Fightful and dave Meltzer have pretty much confirmed that he is gone i would say that it it's a sad day for WWE and obviously I can't speak to Shaming Man on a personal level or on a, I guess, um, creative level or how he was in any capacity backstage, but all I will say is that I know I'm in the minority here, but I truly, really did like Shane McMahon as an on-screen character. I thought he was really, really good. And if he is gone, I think that we should not just remember him for the negativity, maybe in the last year or so. But remember all of the positives that Shane brought on screen over the last 20, 22, 23 years in WWE and WWF. Because I think that given the fact that he was the boss's son he didn't have to do any of what he did. He did it for the entertainment of us. And I got to say for a guy with no real training or real background as a wrestler, I thought he did all right. Yeah, his punches were kind of hokey at times. Yeah, you know, he wasn't the greatest athlete in the world, even though I think he was pretty damn good, all things considering. I think Shane McMahon is a very good competitor and in my mind, a legend and a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I hope, one day we see him back in WWE in some capacity. But if this is truly the last time that we see a Shane McMahon, I just want to say thank you for the memories. You're on my subjective Mount Rushmore because I just found you so damn cool. I found you so damn relatable. And I just thought that you were a very cool character when you really didn't have to be. You didn't have to be this character, but you did it for the entertainment of us. So for that, Shane McMahon, thank you very much. And everyone, I will catch you next week.
0: Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money.